Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, the team preview series rolls on. This time we are going to uh, your very beloved Charlottesville, Virginia. We're going to talk about your Virginia Cavaliers. We've got a very special guest rejoining the podcast to help us preview them. Matt Trogdon's back streaking the lawn SB Nation, and it's getting real now, Joey. Um, mm-hmm. The rivalry is back for many reasons, including that Virginia is good at football again. And Matt, what's going on, man? Hey, guys. I'm glad to be back. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. This should be an interesting year. And uh, excited to be back talking to both of you guys again. So, Matt, we, we mentioned before we came on here, and the way that we've started a lot of these team previews is talking about the coaching situations. And with a, a lot of teams coming into this year with some coaching turnover, maybe a couple of guys that might be on the hot seat. The conversation as it relates to Virginia is going to be very different as it's very clear at this point that Bronco Mendenhall has some job security. Uh, he's, sure. He has gotten himself some goodwill here the last couple of years with Virginia. Um, it, this is a hire that it, I will say that I thought it was kind of a weird fit, but I think that there was a, a pretty good sentiment across a lot of the college football world that felt that this was kind of a weird fit, hiring him out of a like a 15-year tenure at BYU, coming all the way to the East Coast, you know, into Charlottesville. But it's very clear at this point that it's kind of working out, that what he's doing is, is working well in Charlottesville. And you've told us in the past about some of the uh, some of the quirks, I guess, of, of Bronco and, and his methods and, and the way that he interacts with his players and such. But, I mean, are there one or two really big things that you would say are, are kind of driving the success that he's having so far at Virginia? Yeah. Um, you know, Joey, I, I, we've had this conversation a couple times. I think this is my third time uh, on the – on the podcast here and you know every year i think you have said that same thing uh, that that this seemed like a weird hire to you uh and certainly to a lot of people um but yeah it, it seems to be working out um you know from what i can tell uh bronco um he really seems to kind of have bought into virginia uh, bought into the culture there and sort of has an appreciation for, um, as you, as you mentioned, uh, well, he has quirks, but, you know, UVA as a place has some quirks too. Um, and he seemed to really have bought into that, um, you know, knowing that he needs to re- recruit a certain type of kid that can, uh, perform, you know, not only on the football field, but also in the classroom. Um, and so, yeah, he seems to have kind of, really gotten comfortable um, pretty quickly. And, and I will say that, uh, you know, UVA changed its athletic director at the end of 2017, bringing in Carla Williams from Georgia. Um, and she loves Bronco. Uh, and that, that seems to be a good match. Um, and so, you know, he, he really seems to have embraced the challenge. Uh, and I think the community has, has started to embrace him as well. Matt, the one thing that you mentioned to us, actually the first year we had you on, which has been a couple of years now, but I think the one thing that you mentioned going into year one under Mendenhall was that it was going to be ugly at first, but he needed some time to, to get his to get his guys in there, right? And he's gotten his players in, his staff has been well-established now, and there hasn't been a ton of turnover on the coaching staff. And I feel like the stability at UVA is is something that they really needed that they didn't necessarily have under Mike London. Sure, they recruited well, but this the good, solid stability on the coaching staff with good, competent coaches has gone a long way here in the first few years under Mendenhall. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think in, it's interesting. In, in some places, 
um, it's been sort of a long build, uh, and then in other places, um, it's been sort of a quick build. And what I mean by that, um, you know, so if you look at like the offensive line, um, if you look at the defensive line, uh, that has been those have been um, kind of slow. They've been slow rebuilds. Um, you know, I think when um, when he first got to Virginia, I think you know, 2016, I think they only had um, something like four players on the roster, four offensive linemen on the roster who had ever played in a college football game. Um, and so now, you know, you have a situation where they're still building some depth on the offensive line, but, um, you know, you'll, you'll return six guys this year that played at some point last year. Um, and, and then you have, you know, another three or four guys that redshirted last year and then another pretty decent offensive line recruiting class on top of that. So that's an example of a slow build. Uh, and then, you know, a quick build, uh, you know, you don't really need to look further than Bryce Perkins. I mean, you know, I think Virginia's trajectory changed significantly um, you know, just when he when he decided to come over from from Arizona, um, that was a situation where the quarterback position changed overnight. Um, you know, you went from looking for a replacement to Kurt Benkert to uh, looking for a replacement to Kurt Benkert. Um, you know, at, at the end of the 2017 season to now, um, you know, going into the 2019 season, um, I think you know Bryce is probably. You know, he's the best quarterback in the Coastal um, coming in. He's probably the second-best quarterback in the league. So that was a pretty quick turnaround um, at, at, at that place. So, yeah, you know, hats off to, to Mendenhall uh, and his staff. You know, he, he's, they found ways to work the roster uh, differently uh, depending on what the different needs were. Matt, you mentioned Bryce Perkins, and he was by no – I mean, just – no doubt about it, he was a godsend for this program. I mean, what he did offensively, both through the air and then also providing a pretty amazing rushing threat from the quarterback position. I mean, he he was not far from leading the team in rushing, uh, not to mention he, he did a lot through the air in the passing game. He's an incredible player. I, I think he, he has to be on the short list of candidates for ACC Player of the Year, but Let's just can we just keep it real for just a second? And I need you to help Mike settle an argument on Twitter. If I could tell if I told you that you could either have Bryce Perkins as the quarterback of your team or you could have Trevor Lawrence as the quarterback of your team, who are who are we taking and and why is it the guy with the really great long flowing locks that plays, usually plays at Clemson? <laughs> I mean Trevor Lawrence is so talented, right? I mean I, I think you know, Bryce Perkins is, is a great player, but, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence is, um, you know, he's a, he, he's a potential Heisman candidate, right? And he's a potential, you know, NFL first-round draft pick and a potential, uh, you know, great NFL player, great pro. So I think you have to take Trevor Lawrence just from measurables alone. Um, but I think, um, you know, outside of Clemson, um, you know, I think every other team in the ACC this year would probably kill to have Bryce Perkins under center right now. I'll agree with that. Yep, me too. And for the record, Matt, it was certainly one of the dumber members of your fan base, and every fan base has them. Um, yeah. It happens. We got it. It happens. <laughs> um, was it so, was on Twitter? It was on it was on Twitter. If you go scrolling scrolling through my timeline, Matt, you'll find it. It was about a about a week ago now, I guess. Um, you know, I, uh, but I had to, I actually unfollowed a lot of UVA fans on Twitter over the last couple of years. Like it's just I don't know, man. There's just there's a, there are a lot of hot takes out there, and uh, it's uh, it's hard. It's hard. Every fan base has a Matt. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's no one dumb fan base on Twitter or social media. That's something we can all share as alums of our respective ACC schools. Um, Matt Matt, let's get into the let's get into the running game a little bit. They need to improve a little bit in that department, especially since you're going to lose Jordan Ellis. Um, Bryce Perkins, of course, was as Joey mentioned, damn near the leading rusher on the team last year. But now Jordan Ellis is gone. I, I guess that's the one. The one guy, obviously, outside of Olamide Zacchaeus at receiver that 
I mean, quite quite frankly, is going to be pretty tough to replace, in my opinion. So how do you think Virginia moves to uh, to replace a guy like Jordan Ellis, who was certainly a catalyst for that offense last year outside of Bryce Perkins? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think if you're looking at Virginia as a whole, or, uh, as a whole team this year, um, and you're asking yourself, where are the question marks? Um, you know, I, I think you've uncovered the biggest one. Uh, the, the biggest question mark is in the running game. Uh, not only do they have to replace Jordan Ellis, but the prop they, they're going to have to replace three um, starters on the offensive line as well. Uh, and Alamade, right? Alamade obviously opened up a lot of things for everybody else on the team. Uh, so just looking at the running back position, uh, it looks there like there are three uh, potential candidates there. Uh, P.K. Keir, who is a kid out of... Um, he's out of the Shenandoah Valley somewhere. Uh, he will be a junior. Uh, he was sort of the presumed starter going into spring camp, uh, but then he got hurt in spring camp uh, and had limited time there. Uh, the second um, second candidate is Wayne Taulapapa, uh, who is out of Hawaii. Actually, was a 2016 recruit. Uh, and then went on a two-year Mormon mission, uh, came back as a freshman last year and played on special teams um, and really made a great impression on people um, during spring practice. Uh, he's just sort of a, a, a downhill runner, uh, very strong, uh, just kind of a bull in there. Uh, and then the third, uh, the third name to watch is going to be Mike Hollins, who's a true freshman. Um, out of Louisiana, um, probably Virginia's best running back recruit uh, in quite some time, uh, probably since probably since uh, Smoke Mizell. Um, so, yeah, those are the three. Um, you know, Jordan was uh, kind of a, a just a you know kind of a typical kind of workhorse running back. Um, didn't do anything, didn't, wasn't going to wow you with his speed, wasn't going to wow you with his power, um, but was, was pretty good at grinding out grinding out yards and making plays. I think what they would like, um, and I think what the hope is with Hollins, whether he gets there this year or not, um, is that he is um, a little bit, a little bit stronger and faster version of Jordan Ellis. And I think if they can find something like that, um, and then they'll be cooking in the running game. But I think it'll be it'll take a little while, uh, especially with a rebuilt offensive line, to sort of figure out how they're going to do it. Matt, one of the things that we talked about last year with Virginia in particular is that if you look at a lot of offenses just around the country, the ball gets spread around a good amount. With with Virginia's offense, it was like there was only about four players that were ever going to get the ball on any given play. And it was Perkins, it was Ellis, it was Zacchaeus, and it was, I mean, Joe Reed or maybe Hashish Dubois. So maybe maybe call it five guys. And on, on one level, we talked about it, and it's like, wait, so you're telling me that the strategy is get the ball to your best players? That's crazy, right? But on the other end, then what you end up with is that both Jordan Ellis and Alameda Zacchaeus leave and in two guys leaving you've now lost upwards of 300 touches last year and, and again you talk about this the running game kind of having to figure out who's next and it's like I mean I mean the next most carries from the running back position coming back was again PK here with 26 carries all of last season yeah has, has there been any discussion I guess around around that strategy I mean I, I have to think at this point that that's an intentional thing but is there any concern around the Virginia program that's like we, we maybe need to spread the ball around a little more and get some more guys involved? Uh, I don't know if there's concern around the program, um, but I would say, you know, within the fan base, uh, sort of the only gripe uh, anybody has about any of the coaching staff at this point in the Menden Hall era uh, is, you know, I, I think there are some lingering questions. Um, around uh, UVA's offensive coordinator, uh, Robert and I, and sort of what his, um, you know, just what his philosophy is um, and, um, you know, where he wants them to go. Uh, It's interesting, you know, I I think 
at the times in Virginia's uh, season last year, the times when people got the most frustrating were, um, you know, when not when they would lean on those five players too heavily, but when they would lean on one of those players too heavily, uh, and that one player being Bryce Perkins. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, a, so a great example uh, is is the Virginia Tech game. You know, so the, the um, I think Virginia, I think they went into halftime down fourteen nothing. Um, the whole first half, you know, Virginia. It seemed like Virginia was trying to, um, you know, use Bryce Perkins. Uh, you know, get him to use his legs and, and, and make plays that way. Uh, you know, when he had just rolled his ankle the week before against Georgia Tech, um, and it wasn't until the second half when they started throwing the ball uh, to the outside, getting it to Joe Reed, and then you know that opened up holes for for Ellis on the inside that that uh, that offense came alive. Um, and so I think there is some head scratching. Um, I think there might be some concern, at least within fans, about you know just using um, Perkins too much. When Virginia's offense really stalled last year, um, you know it, it was stalling on types of plays where you just saw Perkins running right into the pile at the line of scrimmage and not going anywhere. Um, so they have some other weapons on offense. Uh, Tavares Kelly. Uh, was a true freshman last year. He's a, a kind of a slot receiver um, and probably one of the fastest players on the team. Um, you know, I think that they would definitely like to get him involved more often this year. Um, Reed comes back. Dubois comes back. You know, I think Reed will be a feature wide receiver. Um, and then they brought in two um, grad transfer receivers as well. Um, their names escape me at the, at the moment, but one of them was from Richmond uh, and one of them was from Arizona State. Um, so I'll be interested to see how they get involved. Um, but yeah, I think your point is well taken. Uh, I think, uh, you know, it has been unclear uh, over the years what the offensive identity is uh, other than getting, you know, keeping the ball uh, in Bryce Perkins' hand. Um, I think another gripe last year um, and the year before was uh, Virginia would seem to go away from Jordan Ellis uh, at, at odd times. Um, so there was a game two years ago. Um, they beat uh, Carolina down in Chapel Hill, and Jordan Ellis just, just ate up uh, UNC's defense. Um, and it looked like um, you know he had really taken a step forward. In the next, in the next few weeks, uh, you know they really went away from him. Uh, and so that was – it was strange. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're, we're all kind of waiting around to see, you know, what they're going to do uh, and, and what they want to do and what they want their identity to be. Matt, you mentioned, obviously, the Virginia Tech game with, with the questionable play calling and running Perkins a little bit more than maybe a lot of the fans thought that they should. Um, sure. So there were three games last year, and Joey, I don't know if you realize this, UVA was real close to 11 wins last year. They lost three games on their schedule by four points or less. And Matt, I'm curious, how much of those three losses would you attribute to the play calling? You lose by four to Indiana. You lose by three in overtime to Virginia Tech in the week before, of course, playing Joey's alma alma mater, Georgia Tech. You lose a heartbreaker there as well. How much would you attribute to the play calling for those three losses in particular? Uh, It's hard to attribute it all. It's hard to put a number on it. you know the Indiana game, from what was a weird one, uh, it was there was sort of a driving rain throughout that game, um, and that was that was really the first that was the first uh, FBS team that that Perkins faced um, as UVA starting quarterback. So uh, they they seemed a little bit conservative there. Uh, you know that Georgia Tech game. I think I remember they were driving. Um, at the end of regulation going in for the winning touchdown. Um, and then they stalled like within the five yard line. Um, and I think there were a couple of questionable, there are a couple, there was a fake spike situation, um, that worked out really poorly and they lost it down there. Um, ended up having to kick a field goal and, and win it over time lost. Um, you know, and, and then the, the Virginia tech game, I mean, it was just sort of, 
so many weird things had to happen for them to lose. You know, after after being down the whole game, it looked like they, they had kind of you know grabbed uh, grabbed the game by the throat, and then uh, so many strange things had to happen for them to lose there. Uh, it, it, I think they got a little conservative uh, in the fourth quarter. You know, I think they were up four and had just picked Tech off. Um, and, you know, have a chance to put it in the end zone and um, put it in the end zone and, and, and you know, make it a 10-point game or, or make it a, you know, an 11-point game, whatever it would have been. Um, and, and they got conservative and had to settle for a field goal and then gave up a touchdown and lost in overtime. Uh, you know, even again in overtime, uh, you know, the play before the Bryce Perkins fumble that ended the game uh, was just a nice slant route, you know, I think it was the first play, offensive play in overtime that they got from the 25 down to like the 7 yard line and it was a nice slant route uh, with the wide receiver, it was wide open there um, and, and then to come back with um, I don't know if it was a read option or if it was just a handoff with a fumble, um, you know that seemed to be sort of uh, a, another questionable moment there so it's hard to put a number on it, but um, I will say that certainly in the um, in the uh, in the living rooms at where where I was watching those games, there are a lot of people scratching their heads about what they're trying to do. Matt, let's switch over and talk about the defense here a little bit. Sure. A, a hallmark of Bronco Mendenhall's teams has always been good defenses. He's a defensive guy, you know, by his background, by trade, and. By all means, I mean, there's no reason to think that this defense won't won't be solid again this year. I mean, you lose Juan Thornhill and Chris Pierce, uh, you know, a couple guys, Tim Harris and, and Malcolm Cook. But, like, I mean, a majority of the primary playmakers in the back seven especially are, are coming back this year. Is there really much cause for concern on this Virginia defense? I mean, I know there's a couple guys that were, again, pretty good playmakers that are gone, but – it doesn't seem like it's just some mass exodus of graduations that Virginia is going to suffer through this fall. Yeah, no, there's, there's certainly, um, there's not an obvious question mark on the defense. Um, you know, Virginia's def- the defense got a big boost, uh, when Bryce Hall decided to come back for his senior year. Uh, you know, he, uh, I think he was the only Cavalier that was picked on the first team, uh, preseason all ACC. Um, but yeah, the secondary should be good again. Uh, the, the defensive line, uh, which struggled at times last year, mainly due to injury, uh, you know, didn't lose anybody. So all those injured players come back, um, and then you add uh, you add two of the highest rated recruits so far in the Mendenhall era, uh, in Jawan Briggs and Ben Smiley on the defensive line. So that defensive line, you know, you went from at the end of the year last year having maybe three or four healthy bodies uh, to having ten healthy bodies, um, eight of whom have significant playing experience. Um, So the defensive line should be strong. And then the linebacker core, um, you know, the year before last, they had the last year they had to replace Micah Kaiser, um, and they figured out how to do that pretty well. Um, and so this year, yeah, they'll have to replace uh, Chris Peace, but um, you know, they have some nice pieces there um, to, to to do that with. So, yeah, I think the defense should be good this year uh, again, and, and should really uh, carry a lot of the load while the offense kind of figures itself out. It's pretty remarkable looking back at last year, Matt, because a lot of the talk I think coming out of the season was how good Bryce Perkins was. And I think it was just because the expectations were kind of murky after losing Kurt Benkert the year before. But then you look at the statistics and the strength for UVA last year was on the defensive side of the football. Uh, They were, you know, third in the ACC in scoring defense. They were fourth in rushing defense, second in passing defense, third in total defense. I mean, they had one of the best defenses in the conference last year. You know, it's 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 easier to argue that the defense has less question marks going into this year as well. Even though they lose some guys, they return a lot of veteran secondary players, obviously led by Bryce Hall. They got a great linebacker linebacking core coming back. 
And all the talk, I feel like, has been around Bryce Perkins, and I guess rightfully so, but the strength of this team seems to be residing on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think whenever you have a, uh, a standout quarterback who's as my player as Bryce Perkins is, um, you know, it's easy to focus on him. I think that's pretty natural. But you're right. I, yeah, I think this defense could be very good. Uh, and I think what Virginia fans, uh, casual Virginia fans, probably don't realize uh, is just how much shuffling um, – Virginia did on the defensive side of the ball coming down the stretch last year. Um, you know, so they lost. They lost a Friday night game uh, against Pitt uh, at home, which you know, if they won that one, they're probably in the driver's seat to win the Coastal uh, coming down the stretch. But they lose that game. Uh, part of the reason they lose that game is because uh, Mandy Alonzo, uh, who is. Uh, you know, one of their best defensive linemen. Uh, he gets injured. He gets injured in the second half and is out for the rest of the year. Uh, Joey Blunt, who is one of their starting safeties, gets injured um, and is out for the rest of the game. And I think this is the next game. Uh, and then I think Thornhill got injured that game too. So they lost three starters in the second half of that game. Uh, you know, they uh, against Georgia Tech, they had to uh, they played Grant Mish. At defensive end, Grant Mish was a true freshman and hadn't played in a game up until that moment. Um, and I think he played in the bowl game, uh, but that was it. Um, and he has since been moved to tight end uh, because they have enough depth at defensive end. Uh, you know, they went to uh, you know they went to just a, a couple games they played with just two down linemen most of the game, uh, two down linemen and five linebackers. So, if there's one thing Bronco Mendenhall has shown over his career that he is good at, it is being creative with his defensive personnel. Um, and last year was uh, an excellent example of that. Um, and so, it's exciting to see what he will have if, you know, knock on wood, they are able to have a healthy um, starting 11 come September. Matt, let's move on and talk about the schedule here a little bit for Virginia this fall. Yeah. Um, it. I feel like we've been looking at a lot of these and thinking they're they're fairly conducive here. I think one of the interesting things about the the Virginia schedule in particular is that the the out of conference games are pretty spread out across the schedule. Yeah, it's not like they're all loaded up up front. You know, like a lot of teams would tend to do. Um, Friday, September sixth against William and Mary. Uh, Saturday, September twenty first against Old Dominion. A week later in South Bend against Notre Dame, and then uh, Saturday, November twenty third against Liberty. Um, you look at William and Mary, Old Dominion, Notre Dame, Liberty. I mean, really, that should be three and one. You can't possibly imagine a team from Virginia losing a, a game to either William and Mary, Old Dominion, or Liberty here. So, you've got to think that that's that's probably three and one at, at worst in the out of conference. Yeah, has anyone lost to Liberty yet? Uh, have any of the power teams in Virginia lost to Liberty yet? I don't uh, think to Liberty now. I know we. I know Virginia lost to one. You know, Virginia in the last ten years has lost to William and Mary and Richmond. Yeah. Um, I know Virginia Tech has not been immune to the losses uh, within the state as well. Uh, yeah. You know, I like- <laughs> somehow, somehow, we found a way to lose to James Madison and Old Dominion in the last ten years. So, I have, I have no idea. I'm with you. I um. You know, I, I like the schedule. I'm probably um. I might be a bit of an outlier there. Uh, but, you know, if you're going to play, uh, Bronco Mendenhaus said that he wants, uh, you know, we, he wants to play one Power 5 out-of-conference game. Um, he wants to play one FCS game against uh, a school of local interest, and then he would prefer to play the other two out-of-conference games against regional schools as well. Um, I think it's great. Uh you know, my I grew up in Norfolk. Uh, I grew up, uh, I grew up going to Old Dominion basketball games. I grew up going to ODU basketball camp. Um, I grew up like three or four miles from ODU's campus. Um, I've been to a football game down there. My family goes to football games down there. Um, so I think it's great uh, that, that they're playing. Um, 
and I'd much rather them play that that game or that game against Liberty um, than play you know a directional Michigan um, team that that there's really little interest. Uh, you know, going as far as this start projecting, um, you know, wins and losses. I, I think you're right. I think um, I think Virginia should Virginia fans should feel fairly confident about coming out of the non-conference with three wins. Uh, you know, anything less than that probably cause for concern. Matt, we, we, I want to bring this up because we asked this in the Syracuse preview as well. An out-of-conference schedule, again, with William & Mary, Old Dominion, Liberty, I mean, that basically feels like Virginia scheduling three wins out-of-conference to just go with game number four being against Notre Dame. Like, has there been any pressure, I guess, from the Virginia fan base to get one more kind of, we'll call it a Power Five or maybe even an AAC team in there that would be a little bit more of a stiff competition and, and more more fun to watch, I guess, in some of those out-of-conference games? Um, I think the, the opinion is varied. Uh, you know, I think what we saw towards the end of the Mike London era um, was Virginia, uh, uh, the people making the schedule certainly did not do him any favors. Um, you know, I, I think one year, um, if I recall correctly, they played, uh, BYU in Oregon back-to-back games. Uh, one year, if I recall correctly, they played, uh, I think they had UCLA, Notre Dame, and Boise State. Uh, it, you know, those were three of the four games. Um, so that was really one extreme. Um, I, I guess you could argue that we're, that, that Mendenhall has kind of moved it to the other extreme. Um, but, you know, you got, we have to remember, uh, you know, Virginia went eight and five last season. It, it was their first winning season since 2011. Um, and only their second winning season since 2007. Um, so in that context, I think scheduling three wins out of the gate uh, probably makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, you, I, I don't know that you, um, I don't know that you, that you get any, um, you get any credit for scheduling hard and hard games and losing them all, uh, which is what Virginia was doing. Um, for a while there. So, you know, when the program gets to be more established, I could see a situation where they schedule more aggressively. Um, you know, next year, uh, next year they play Georgia to open the season uh, in, in the Georgia Dome. Um, so that is obviously uh, a step up in competition. Um, and then I think they play, but they also have Clemson in, in conference next year. So 2020 things, things step up a little bit. Um, I think uh, I think you know they have a, a series with or with Illinois coming up. They have a series with Maryland coming up. Uh, they have a couple games with BYU coming up. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that anyone is too concerned that Virginia is scheduling too easily right now. I'm looking at this schedule, Matt, and I feel like if. Virginia is going to do as well as I think they'll do this year. Um, they're going to have to not stumble out of the gate. You got two conference games in the first three weeks, uh, which is yep. different from a lot of ACC schedules I've looked at. You go on the road to Pittsburgh, which Pittsburgh's losing most of their offensive production out of their back, all of their offensive production out of their backfield. Um, and, and that's going to be tough to replace. So we think, but they got a lot of talent there that just, you know, really is unproven at running back. Florida State offensive line is atrocious. We have no idea what they're going to get out of quarterback. So there are obviously a lot of questions there. Plus, you get that game at home um, if you're Virginia. So it's, uh, you know, I I look at this schedule and I feel like if UVA plays to their potential, I think we're going to know just how good this team is in the first few weeks of the year. Yeah, I agree with you. So, um, you know, my main column that I write for streaking the lawn um, is I do a, a weekly bowl watch column, um, which is a lot of fun for me. Um, and for years, you know, 
the, the first three years I did it, I think uh, Virginia didn't go to a bowl. Um, so that was kind of a bummer. And it was like, all right, how can, I, how can they somehow piece together six wins this year? Um, and and things, have, uh, things have changed over the last couple of years, which has been fun. Uh, so I look at the schedule. I, I have four uh, kind of four categories. Um, so I, I think, you know, the games that, that Virginia obviously should win, uh, and those are those three out-of-conference games that you mentioned. Um, the next kind of step up, um, the games that I think they will be certainly will be favored in, um, you know, the home game against Duke, the home game against Georgia Tech, uh, and the road game against Louisville. Um, and then kind of at the other end of the schedule, um, you know, the, the games are going to be, they'll be, uh, more than likely will be underdogs in it uh, at Notre Dame and at Miami. Uh, and then I think they kind of have four toss-up games, uh, two of which are right at the beginning of the season, right? So I think Pitt, uh, Florida State, Carolina, and Virginia Tech, I think those four games uh, will kind of tell the story of the season. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, so Pitt right out of the gate, as you mentioned, and I, I agree with you, uh, Mike. I, I think yeah, the key to Virginia's season is going to be starting starting hot. Um, I think the pit uh, the pit game, you know, really sets the tone. Could you know could set the tone for the whole year? Obviously, you don't want to you know you don't want to make you know too strong of a statement there. But um, yeah, you know, I think if they go in there and win that one, um, then. Uh, you know, all the talk about potentially, you know, being the preseason favorite in the Coastal looks a lot more justified. Um, the Pitt, you know, for, uh, Pitt has given UVA fits over the last few years. Pitt's won four in a row. Um, and, uh, you know, last year uh, kind of came into Charlottesville and pushed UVA around quite a bit. Uh, but, I, yeah, I look at them, uh, Mike, and see sort of the same things that you see. Uh, they have their quarterback back. Um, but you know they, they lost both of their top running backs. They have a rebuilding offensive line. Uh, they have a rebuilding defensive line. A rebuilding front seven. Generally, um, you know, UVA I think will be breaking in the new off their new offensive line that game. Um, so Virginia will kind of need to lean on, lean on its defense um, and hope Bryce Perkins can make enough plays there uh, to win that one. Um, and then I think. You know, if they pick that one up, then that sets the table nicely for them. Mike, what you thinking record-wise? Why do you do this to me? Um, You're Cavaliers, Mike. What do you think? My, yeah, my, my Cavaliers. Um, God, all right. Well, Matt, I had the same thought. I think that Pittsburgh game in the opener is a is a tough game. I think it sets the, sc- the, sets the table for the whole year. Um, I think right, that's it. A- Huge game. It's a huge game. Huge game. And it's a huge game because Virginia can't beat Pittsburgh recently for whatever reason. And it's a road game and it's the opener. Uh, you know, in some ways it's good to get them early. In other ways, it's like, shit, you got to go on the road and, and play Pitt with an unproven offensive line. And, you know, Pitt's got questions in their backfield. They got like three or four Army All-Americans. Uh, we, we did the Pitt preview and... Pitt fans seem to be high on their roster despite all its losses. Um, so that could be a dicey game. Um, that sets the table for the whole year. Um, you got at Notre Dame and at Miami. I think the one benefit is you have about a week and a half to prepare for Miami. I think that's huge because you are going on the road there. It's back-to-back road games, but it makes it a little bit more manageable. Um, obviously, you mentioned a, a couple of toss-up games in there. The home game against Duke, because we don't know what Duke's going to be. But you do get them at home. I, I think they'll handle Louisville and North Carolina on the road. I, I'm not high on North Carolina at all. I'm not sure why a lot of people are. I, I think that UVA handles them. Uh, Georgia Tech, I expect it to be a year zero situation. They still got talent on their team. Liberty's not any good. And Virginia Tech is... Should, should have been a win last year for UVA, wasn't, and now you get that game at home in Charlottesville, so um, I, I think there's an opportunity to win that game there. Joey, I'm going, Joey and Matt, I'm going to settle on, oh God, I'm going to settle on eight and four, five and three in conference play with the loss to Notre Dame. I think that that is a conservative estimate. 
I think Virginia has a 10 win ceiling. I think if they're able to beat, first of all, beat Pitt in the opener, I think they win nine games. If they don't beat Pitt in the opener, I think it could be dicey. Um, only because I, th- I think you lose momentum going in that Florida State game. You got Notre Dame that's tough. You got Miami on the road. The Virginia Tech game's been a house of horrors for UVA, but you know I, I think that UVA will still be able to to beat Virginia Tech this year anyway. They'll have an opportunity. Uh, but I'm going to go eight and four, five and three. I think that's very conservative. I think that they have an opportunity to be better than that, but I think there's too many questions for me on the offensive line in the running game. Um, and it's just a dicey coastal division this year. I have no other way to really explain it other than that. I th- I'm coming in between eight, eight and nine wins for several ACC teams, and I don't really know which way the season's going to turn, so I'm going to settle there. You know, Mike, in a, in a year where there is a, a kind of a complete and total lack of sure things in the coastal division, this is about as sure a thing as you're going to get among the seven teams. I mean, this is a, a pretty consistent program that – Week to week, you know what you're going to get out of them. We've talked in this preview already that they lost multiple games last year in games that they almost had no business losing. And not even from like a they found a way to lose standpoint, but like, you know, by some weird work of, you know, the good Lord above, Georgia Tech beat Virginia. I was there and Bill Conley still talks about that. You know, the S&P Plus would say that Virginia had a 99% chance to win that game. They found a way not to, right? That's... It's just bizarre stuff that happened like that. I look at this schedule, Mike, and there's like four particularly dangerous games that stick out to me. Um, Maybe five, I guess, if you say the Pittsburgh game to start out with. And then after that, to me, it's Florida State. You get that game at home. I think Florida State, I I have a weird feeling about Florida State this year. They might bounce back, especially with their offensive coordinator hire that they made. Road trip to Notre Dame, road trip to Miami, and then home against Virginia Tech. I'm, I'm going to have a hell of a time picking Virginia to win that game until they do. They have lost that game, like, what, 15 years in a row, blah, 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 blah. But the thing is to me, Mike, I, like, I think if you split Pittsburgh and Florida State to start the year, the game that looks dangerous in theory that to me, actually, I think that this is a very reasonable game is at Miami. Getting that game on extra rest – on a Friday night, not on a Thursday night, not on a Saturday, you get you got to go to Miami, but you're playing in a bit of a weird Friday night environment. I think that's doable for a Virginia team that is going to be pretty consistent. I'm going to go nine and three. I think that's probably six and two in conference. I think you split again. I think you split Pittsburgh and Florida State, and I think you lose to Virginia Tech again. But six and two, I have to think wins the Coastal this year, and as such. Virginia's my pick to go to the ACC championship game. If nothing else, Mike, because Hello. we got to have seven teams in all seven years. And here it is. We got to complete the storybook ending. And here we are. <laughs> and here we are. Um, Matt, I don't know if I, I pumped you up, uh, pumped you up enough there, but uh, what, do you have a record prediction for us here? Yeah, I was going through it this morning um, to get to prepare for this. Um, you know, I think eight and four. Uh, I, I think na- I sort of naturally was leaning to eight and four um, when I was getting when I was starting to think about this. Um, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, well, you know, win those six games that I think they'll definitely be favored in, and then split the four games that I think are toss ups. Uh, but then I had a hard time uh, figuring out which of those four toss up games I thought they would lose. Um, and so I'm a little bit, I'm going to be a little bit more bullish than I have been in recent years. Um, and I'm going to go with nine and three as well. Um, I don't, you know, I think probably at, you know, Notre Dame is, is a really tough putt. Um, even though Notre Dame plays Georgia week before, so you never know, um, you know, if there's an opportunity for a letdown there. Um, you know, you mentioned, uh, you guys both mentioned the Miami game, uh, especially being on a Friday night and having extra rest. That could be weird as well. Um, you know, Virginia seems to have played Miami well um, traditionally over the years. Uh, you know, even a couple of years ago when Miami was number two in the country, um, Virginia went down there and they had a two-touchdown lead uh, in the second half uh, before before things went south. Um so yeah, I'm gonna go with nine and three. I don't know. I 
I would be hard pressed to figure out where, other than that Notre Dame game, I, I'd be hard pressed to figure out where um, those three losses are going to come from. Um, but nine three kind of feels right to me um, at the moment. I had a stat for you guys um, that I need to find here, but um, to put that in context, I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Um, and I don't know how many Virginia fans are actually aware of this, but uh, UVA has only had one 10-win season in the history of the school. Um, and they've only had seven nine-win seasons in the history of the school. Um, so, you know, even if they win eight games and uh, have a chance to win nine in a bowl game, um, you know, you're looking at, one of the best seasons in school history. Um, and if they win nine games in the regular season and have a, ten, a chance to win a tenth game in the bowl game, um, you know, you're certainly looking at one of the best seasons in school history. Um, so that's some, that's some fun context, um, you know, and, and certainly a, a far, far um, cry from where they were, you know, just three, three short years ago. Mike, last thing I got is if if we lived in a world where you could sit here and say that Virginia designed their own schedule, you would think that Virginia stacked the deck to beat Virginia Tech this year. Oh, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Virginia's last road game is November 2nd in Chapel Hill against North Carolina. From there, it is a home game against Georgia Tech, a week off, a game against Liberty at home, and then getting Virginia Tech the day after Thanksgiving at home. So they don't, I mean, they don't leave Charlottesville after they get back from the North Carolina game until they go play a bowl game. You will, you will honestly, or, yeah, well, you will almost never, honestly, almost never see three consecutive home games in the month of November. And you're seeing it this year for UVA. I mean, the schedule sets up well towards the back half if you get through that first month of the year this is a nine or ten win virginia team in my opinion you just got to get through that first month of the year when the games that are kind of 50 50 toss-ups you know that pit game that florida state game that could get interesting if florida state ends up being good um you get through that and all of a sudden you're through a good portion of those toss-up games and all of a sudden you just win the games you're supposed to win you fall right in that nine ten win category and that could certainly win the division yep 100 percent um, okay, I lied. Last last thing I actually have: Vegas win total for Virginia seven and a half over, and and the over at plus one ten over. I'm taking the over. I don't think there's any way Virginia loses less than eight game or sorry wins less than eight games um, with this schedule. I mean, I think you go three and one out of conference, and I think you find a way to win five others. There's a Again, a handful of toss-ups. I, in my opinion, a lot would have to go wrong for them not to get to eight wins. I think this is an eight-win floor. If it's seven wins, I think something's gone wrong. Maybe a couple key injuries. Maybe the offensive line is just horrible. I mean, something would have to go really wrong, in my opinion, to win less than eight. I think so. I think so. I tend, I tend to agree with that. Well, there you go. There you got it. At least eight wins. Basketball conference podcast guarantee. We'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. Guys, speaking of speaking of basketball, um, I, I will point out, I don't know if you guys were aware, um, but Virginia won the national championship in basketball this year. Whoa, uh, whoa. So I, don't, I don't know if that's news. Breaking uh, news on the Basketball Conference podcast. But I, did, I didn't want to let it slide. Um, you know, I don't want to go without at least mentioning it once. Um, but I was actually thinking about that in, in the context of the football season. Um and, and I'm wondering, you know, Virginia fans, I think, are up until April 9th, I would have told you that Virginia fans are a pretty fatalistic bunch. Um, but now it's like, it's weird. It's a brave new world. Uh, and, you know, it's like, all right, you know, what's next? You know, this tech, this tech thing, like, that's got to be coming soon. And so um, it's going to be an interesting time. I mean, we'll see. Uh, you know, I don't know. I got Virginia Tech by ten right now. Who's to say? <laughs> Bold, because I don't even I don't even have that. So that <laughs> I'll, I'll take it, Joey. Appreciate the confidence. And with that, Mike, that's all I've got. Do you have anything else for Matt while we got him on? I think we're good.
I think so. Matt, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on and previewing my pick to win the Coastal Division, the Virginia Cavaliers, Mike's Virginia Cavaliers, as it were. Um, uh, would you like to take a minute and tell the people where they can find your stuff if they're ever looking for it? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm at streakingthelawn.com, uh, which is part of the SB Nation network. Um, and then you can also follow me on Twitter, Matt uh, underscore Trogdon, T-R-O-G-D-O-N. Um, yeah, give me a follow. And I'll, I'll tell you guys right now, there's a reason that we bring Matt onto this podcast, and it's because we know where to go to get the best source of news for each individual team. And, and Matt is the guy for Virginia. Streaking the Lawn is the site for Virginia. So if you're looking for Cavaliers news, content, rumors, whatever, you know that's the place to go, streakingthelawn.com and the SB Nation Network. Highly recommended. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time tonight. Uh, we look forward to having you, guys, having you on again soon to talk about the future ACC Coastal Champions. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it, guys. It's always a pleasure. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. We'll talk soon. All right, Mike, that's Matt Trogdon, again, of streakingthelawn.com. You go find him and, and all of your Virginia coverage there. we got to get out of here. we got some more teams we got to preview, but in the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, you can go find him on Twitter uh, at Matt Trogdon. Uh, Mike, we are on the Anchor platform now. We uh, are. That means you can on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Stitcher, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. And if you have questions about where to find us or about anything you've seen here, you can email them to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Yes, sir. Uh, Mike, where do they find us on the social medias? The the one thing I want to say real quick, Matt Trogdon, probably one of the best guys. Not even probably. is definitely one of the best guys we have. So I just want to sneak that in there. Yeah, just want to sneak that in there. Um, you want detailed info. He's your guy. Um, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference. Rate, review, find all of our podcasts there. Rate, review, subscribe, wherever you find your podcast. It can only help Joey and I at this point. Yep, please do. Please do. Uh, Mike, I think that's all I got. You got anything else before we get out of here? No, I think we're good, man. You want to come preview some more teams? We got to, and we're coming down the home stretch here, Joey, on our recordings. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. We've, we've still got my alma mater to preview. We've we got do. a couple of others to preview. We've got a, a couple of very well-known guests of the podcast that are yet to make their appearance, but yep. stay tuned. They'll be in very, very soon. So, uh, Cam. Who? What? What? Hmm. I've heard he's a free agent. We'll see if he shows up or not. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, in any ways, just again, keep it tuned here. We'll uh, we'll keep you guys previewed for the uh, the upcoming season, and we're uh, trying to get all this in and, and posted by the time it's time to preview our first game in week zero, which is the Miami and Florida game. Uh, they're about a week before Labor Day, so uh, keep it tuned here. Uh, Mike, you want to? I think I already asked you this. I'm gonna ask you again because it leads into my exit very nicely. You want to come back and preview some more teams? I do, buddy. Oh, sweet. I was hoping you were going to say that. All right. Well, for that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, and for Mr. Mac Trogdon, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Yeah!